0: Welcome. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm so glad to have you all here tonight with us. That was a really, really good word. Thank you for that, the chicken lady, man. That was so good. I didn't know where you were going. It was awesome. That was so good. Um, man, worship was amazing, huh? It's like, it's so cool when you just feel the presence of the Lord just come. It's like he just comes, and he doesn't even sit next to you. He, like, sits on you, which is super wonderful and um, it's interesting. I am going to do something crazy and weird but I've already asked Lila's permission so Lila's gonna come and just share something really quick. Basically we, thank you, We um, Lila and I were talking recently because, thank you, Lila and I were talking recently because um, she's my daughter by the way Because how many times can you be in a church service or a worship service and you just, you might be on your face a mess. You're bawling your face off. You can feel the presence of God and it's overwhelming. And then, you know, maybe another time you feel absolutely nothing. (laughs) And there's just nothing there. Or maybe you go through a season of not experiencing him at all. And Lila recently um, was telling me about, She's recently had a really cool change in her life where she didn't really understand what worship was. And we had a really good discussion. Parents, talk to your kids. Like they have real questions and you have the answers and and you have the biblical answer, which is she could ask anybody else. And she comes, she's like, man, I just like, I don't get it. Why don't they, it's not like church camp. It's not, when I go to church, it just doesn't feel like church camp, and I want it to feel like church camp, because that's where she, like, rededicated her life to Jesus, and so we were talking about that. Lydda, do you want to come up here and grab the mic here? We were talking about that. We have great conversations, and she's super wise, but we were saying, do you want to just share with them what you shared with me in my room that night? It was so good. Yeah, never really used a microphone before. Hi. (laughs) Um, Well, what I shared that night was pretty much just you can find God anywhere. Like, it's really all about your perspective and if you're actually looking for him and seeking him. So, like, you could, that's why you find him in nature. That's why you find him in church. That's why you find him in a bathroom or, like, Taco Bell or something. Like, you find him everywhere because it's really about just you're looking for him and you want to see him. and. Your your perspective, and that's what I said. Amen. Thank you, Lila. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) She said that to me, and I was like, "Who's answering questions here? I guess you're answering them." (laughs) But isn't that true? It's your heart's perspective. It's it's a heart posture. So last weekend, I was up here Saturday night in worship, and I was singing the songs. Like we sing the songs, and i'm and I'm closing my eyes and picturing the face of Jesus, and I'm doing all the things that typically get me like really connected with him, and I felt nothing. I felt so disconnected from him, and I was like, man, I don't know what's going on, like I want to feel you i like you know I mean he's not a feeling, but it's so good when you can feel him right it's like I crave that, I crave his presence, and so I was really struggling to connect and and I was like, all right i don't know how to i don't know where you are, like you've got to be here because you said where two or three are gathered, you're there, so I just got on my face, i said, if there's only a, if there's only a little bit of water in here if it's ankle deep, I want my face in it. So I got on my face, I put my face on the floor my My forehead had rug burn, I'm sure of it. It was not comfortable. But as soon as I put my face on the floor, I heard, what is my name? And I was like, Jesus. Like, you know, it's hard to sing when your face is on the floor. But I was like, I have to get low. I want to get as low as I possibly can because I want you. And so, what is my name? I'm like, Jesus. And then all these names of God started coming. Can you put that... Up the image that I sent, all these names of God started coming to my mind King of kings, Lord of lords. You are the Alpha, you are the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah, you are the lamb that was slain. You are, you know, your name is holy, your name is wonder, you know. And it's just, and within a few seconds, I'm saying names that I didn't know that I knew. Like it's gotta be Holy Spirit because I'm like saying Hebrew names and things and I'm like, I don't even, this is definitely you, Lord. And he, and I was fully connected. I was fully, fully connected. And I uh, recently was listening to the song Alabaster Heart and there is a lyric in there that says, there's a lifetime worth of worship in the nuance of your names. and it And I love that song, but the other day I heard it and I was like, it hit me like, there's a lifetime worth of worship in your name. It, it, you don't know how to worship God. You don't know how to worship in spirit and in truth. Just start saying his name. And it's, and it's not because he's forgotten his name. Saying his name reminded my soul of who he is and what he's done for me. And within moments, I was worshiping in spirit and in truth. I wasn't just saying words. I wasn't just singing a pretty song. I was fully connected to him, and boom, I was feeling the weightiness of him, I was bawling like a baby, doing all the things, you know, and it's so good, because that's all I want, is just to be with him. That was, um, what Lila said is so real. It's your heart's posture. You can be, I'm gonna be really honest with you guys, when we stopped having the lights totally out in worship, I was offended because I worship really however I want. And it might be embar- it might have been embarrassing to me before, but I just don't care anymore. And it was offensive to me. I was like, "Why?" And I I was like, "Colton, you forgot to turn the lights off." And he's like, "No, we're actually not doing that now it's because of this and that." And I'm like, "I how can I worship with the lights on?" And it was so it was so good because The Lord showed up, and I connected with him, and it showed me that, just like Lila said, it's not about the lights. Forget the lights. If I can't worship the Lord in broad daylight, in in the brightest of light, then I'm gonna have a hard time being face-to-face with him worshiping, you know? So I have repented for being offended with the light situation, and I don't care. I just close my eyes, and then nobody knows, like... If I can't see you, you can't see me kind of thing, you know? (laughs) What we focus on matters. If I focus on Jesus, it keeps me in a heavenly perspective, like Lila said. But if I focus on my troubles, if I focus on the lights, if I focus on I'm hungry, if I focus on, oh, that lady is dancing kind of weird, you know, if I focus on that stuff, then I do not connect with the Lord. If I focus on the troubles, the things going on in my life, then all I want to do is run away. So... Our focus matters. That was, I don't know that that connects at all with what we're going to talk about tonight, but that was just a side note because it was so good. I was so good at things. So, okay, the other day I was listening to um, a woman speaking. Her name is Haley Braun, and I love listening to Haley Braun, and Krista Smith is another woman I love listening to. They're just powerhouse women of God, and they, I've learned so much. And both of them were saved at like three or four years old. I have a friend who, Jen, I think was saved at like four years old. Three, four, two, one, six months old, probably. (laughs) Like, these women saved so early and they lived their whole lives for Jesus. I'm not saying they're perfect. Obviously, they screwed up. Hi, Esther. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, we're so glad you're here. I love you. Jesus is glad you're here. You belong here. Sorry. Anyways, not sorry. Um, yeah, so I'm listening to this beautiful story that she's sharing, and I don't realize it, but her beautiful story is starting to rub these secret areas of insecurity in me. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, like, it just, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. But there was some kind of like a, like a, I don't know if it was a shame, maybe it was insecurity. And her, her testimony was rubbing that wrong. She's four years old in her bedroom crying out to the Lord, and I'm like, you guys, most of you know my story, uh, all the bad things you could ever do. I did them a lot, chased after them a lot. I did not get saved at four years old and spent my whole life chasing the Lord. And then I heard the Lord say, Sarah, don't disqualify yourself. It's so interesting that Mike said that. He didn't know I was going to say this. This is God. But I'm, I'm at work, I'm listening to this thing, in my, in, and I'm working, and I hear, Sarah, don't disqualify yourself. And then I was like, I had to stop, pull up a Word document, and start writing what the Lord was saying. And he said, you didn't commit your heart to me when you were four years old. You didn't live a life of purity from the moment you were born. But she who has been forgiven much loves much. And that's a heart I can work with. A grateful heart, a humble heart a heart that knows the taste of hell and longs to pull as many from its gates as she can. Amen. And I realized in that moment that I had been disqualifying myself. I'd been disqualifying myself from what he has called me to do. I'd been writing myself off because of all the years that I wasted, being wasted probably knowing the things that I have done and knowing how he suffered because of my sin, knowing that he left glory and paid everything for me to ransom me from the slavery that I sold myself into, he did it all while I was still actively choosing filth. Knowing all of that, I realized that I, something in me had caused me to try to earn my place in him. I was trying to earn I'm saved. I've been saved. Most of you in this room are saved. But I was trying to earn the call in my life. I was trying to, okay, think about it like this. Like you're applying for a new job and you look at the requirements and they're super intimidating. How many times have you done that? Rosie's here. Hi. Oh my gosh. It's such a good night. Sorry. How many times you look at a want ad and you're like, I can't tell you how many times I told people I, I knew Excel long before I knew Excel. I had no idea what Excel was. I still don't really know how to use PowerPoint, except for sometimes up there, and that and that's because it's already set up. But like you read these requirements, and you're just like, oh, crap, I don't qualify, but I'm going to sure fake it. I'm going to sure pretend like I know those things, right? So I thought that what the Lord is calling me into, the want, if there was a want ad for it, it would have read these as requirements. Purity, holiness, perfection in thought, word, and deed. Okay, so I try to prepare myself for what he's calling me into by trying to make myself pure, trying to make myself holy, trying to make myself perfect. But the problem is that every time I slipped up, shame would come at me guilt would come at me. I wasn't perfect in my thoughts. I wasn't perfect, I'm not perfect in my words. I'm not perfect in my deeds. I'm not perfect ever, guys, ever. And I've tried really hard. So I learned, thankfully, that Jesus is the author and he wrote and designed my calling The missions. He wrote and designed your calling. He wrote and designed the missions that He has for your life, the assignments that He has for your life, and His requirements are not easy, but they are really simple. You must die. (laughs) Sorry if you're new to Jesus and you don't really know what I'm saying. (laughs) That sounds scary. You must put to death selfish ambition, opinions, attitudes works and independence put to death your way of doing things your bright ideas and your strength instead remain attached to Jesus and therefore alive in Jesus we it's okay to be dead because we're alive in him right I now serve his desires his ambitions I choose to agree with his opinions even if I don't understand them and I look through his eyes at every person and situation and I leave myself laid down on the altar as a living sacrifice so he can purify my heart and give me his dreams and his ideas, yeah. which I promise you are very, very different than yours. I'm not saying that completely, okay? Look, if you like, have had a love of music your whole life since you were little, God put that in you, okay? If you've had a love of children your whole life and all you want to do is be with kids and teach kids, God put that in you. That's, that's something he put in you. I'm not saying you have to die to the things that he's put in you. I'm saying like selfish ambition. You know, this whole world will tell you to build your kingdom. Build your kingdom. Work your butt off and build that 401k so that you can retire. You'll have your dream wife... Mike has the dream (laughs) wife. Five beautiful daughters, a beautiful home, a camper for the weekends, you got a couple cars, you've got maybe you got a boat, we don't have one, but that's a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not make it weird. Yeah. He does. So we try to we try to build our kingdom you know and and even even really good people who who by the world standards are really good they they might have you know they work really hard they save they retire they travel the world they have their spouse they do all these things and they're still a void they're still empty it's not enough Because they're looking to fill something that can only be filled by the one who made you. We have to choose to become fully dependent on Jesus and trust that he knows us so much better than we know ourselves because he really does. I didn't want to have any kids, guys. I wanted no kids. I'm not kidding you. Like when I was really little, I wanted kids. And then I got in like middle school and high school. I was like, never. I'm never having kids. I'm going to wear six inch heels every day of my life for the rest of my life. And I'm going to take this world by storm. I'm going to be a lawyer in New York City. And I'm not going to get married. And I'm not going to have kids. And I'm going to break every ceiling that women have against them. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm telling you, I've done none of those things. I could try to wear six-inch heels, and it hurts really bad. So I'm grateful for God. I wanted zero kids. By the time, I think I had my fifth child when I was like 27 years old. <laughs> I mean, I had three kids before. I, well, I had my third one when I, right after I turned 21. I mean, the Lord has way different things, right? And not only that, but I'm like, I want to adopt all the spiritual kids. You guys feel like an orphan, I'll be your mom. Like, for real, I love you. Like, I'm just like, give me all the orphans and I wanna love them forever. And I didn't want any kids. Isn't that funny? God's so fun. So we need to trust that he only has the best of intentions for your life and for those you love. Trust that he loves you so much more than you can fathom. And we have to repent every day. Repentance isn't a one-time thing when I get saved, it's a lifestyle. And it's something that I do every single day. And I'm not saying, look, I lived under shame and guilt for a long time and I lived under religion that told me like literally I just walked around like I was filthy rags. I really believed that. You are not filthy rags, okay? If you are in Christ, you are being sanctified and you are being made holy like he is holy. You are beautiful and wonderful and you are not filthy rags. Your righteousness is him and you're in him. So you get to be the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So like you don't have to sit and search and be like, okay, Lord, tell me everything bad that I did today so that I can repent for it. And I have to sit and search through every memory that I've ever done so that I can tell you how sorry I am for it and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. That is weird and that's shame and that's guilt and that's not Jesus. If you read the Gospels, you don't see any of the disciples doing that with Jesus ever. So thank you, Jesus. But repentance, repentance means to actually turn and to do what Jesus is doing. So, Repentance makes your heart soft and tender. Sorry, I keep all my tissues in here. I became an old lady at some point. Repentance makes our heart tender and soft before Him. It allows us to be humble and grateful, and it allows us to realize our great need of Him. We need Him not just for our eternal salvation, but for everything. You want to be successful at your job? You need Jesus. Do it with Jesus, work with Jesus. To be a good parent and spouse, a good friend, a good neighbor, to have love and compassion for people, you need Jesus. Acts 17.25 tells us that Jesus gives us all life and breath and all things. Isaiah 42.5 says that he gives breath. Literally, you need him to breathe, to be alive, right? Right? We need him for everything. And the sooner we can grasp this revelation, the sooner we will be free from striving and toiling and breaking our own backs just for scraps. I don't want to be independent. A branch independent of the vine dies quickly and is thrown into the fire. John 15, I think I gave this to the people. If you want to turn to John 15, uh, verses starting in verse 4, I love the book of John. You could just read the whole thing. I almost probably sent the whole thing to them. Sorry, guys. All right, v- verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. Stay, live, abide, okay? Stay in Jesus and he'll stay in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing, not even breathe. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Trying to do what he's called you to do without him is fruitless. You'll have no fruit. You can't bear fruit without him. Remember, if if some of you didn't give your life to Jesus when you were four, you might remember what your life looked like before Jesus when you were independent of him think about that fruit my fruit was rotten my fruit was selfish it stunk even the fruit that looked good was actually truly about me it really was selfish it was really rotten I couldn't even love my kids guys like even what I did for them was truly about me me trying to prove something to the world There is no good thing apart from Jesus. The best of me before him was filthy rags compared to the righteousness that we have in Jesus. He is righteousness. I thought I loved my life. I actually thought that I was really having a good time and enjoying myself. Okay, so last weekend, Mike and I were driving home from church Saturday night, okay? And we actually went to the camper. And so we're driving. This is in the backwoods of Bloomer And um, yeah, do you know that she gets it? So we're in the backwoods of Bloomer. It's actually the town of Cleveland. There's no streetlights. There's a million deer. Everybody's drunk. We're right near the Chippewa County trails. So everybody's on. They just get drunk and drive on their four wheelers. And we used to do it too. Like it's just what you do. You go bar hopping in your in your side by side, and we're almost to the to our campground where are like we could see the lights of the campground and we come around a curve and there's a, a, a little steep drop and there's a creek right there and there was a car in the creek upside down and mike being a superhero he like i i did not see him put it in the park he somehow pulled over, put it in park, said, call 911. And he's he ran into the water. He's in the water, ripping the door off this car, trying to make sure that there's no, because if there was people in it, their heads were in water. Like, and I'm just like, I, I, where's my phone? <laughs> so I call 911 and we wait in the, uh, there was nobody in the car. There was a baby seat in the back seat. and We had seen this this young man, he must have been like 25 years old. We saw him with his fiance earlier in the day. We had gone and had lunch up at the lodge, and he was there with his fiance, and they have a newborn baby. And we knew it was his car because his hoodie that we saw him wearing earlier was in the car. And so we were like, oh, my God. So Mike's looking in, the, in like the area around looking for a baby, looking for a woman, looking for anyone. Anyways, we saw one set of footprints, wet footprints walking. This must have just happened. And so when the deputy got there, we told him everything. And we let him, he followed us in our car up to the lodge where he asked us to wait. So we were waiting. Here's the guy. He's very, very drunk. Uh, Again, he's like 25. And his parents are there. His parents camp at our same campground. So his, and it was a Halloween party, a costume party at the bar that night. So uh, there's, you know, 100 people, all drunk. In their costumes. Here's his mom, like wasted, trying to talk to the police and whatever. And they pulled an ambulance came up, was checking him out. And we're just kind of waiting there because we're like, he wants us to wait. And we're like, should we pray for him? Like, what should we do here? And and now there's just people coming out of the bar. So now there's like 30 people behind us. There's a group of people up here with him. And we're like, This is what do we do? And suddenly Mike looks at me and he goes, I do not miss this at all. And it was like it hit me like this was us. Not even that terribly long ago. I, how long have we not been drinking? It's I mean, I would say 5 years ago that was probably us. Less than that, maybe 4 years ago. That was us getting drunk at that bar. But all these people are wasted, falling over themselves. This young man, we're hearing him tell the police how he had gotten in a fight with his fiance, and he had taken the car and drove and he and he crashed it, obviously. And he begged the police, he said, he said, arrest me, take me. I've been drinking all day. I drove from this bar to that bar, I've been drinking. He begged the cop to arrest him because he was more afraid of his fiance. <laughs> He said, I'm more scared of going there and seeing her than I am of going to jail. Please take me to jail. <laughs> but do you think that young man it wants this for his life or is he just trying to have a family? He's just trying to do what he knows and he's trying to be a good person. He, was try- he wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He wasn't trying to, you know, but it's like in our best efforts, we fail, It's apart from him, we have nothing good. So every person there, it seemed like, was broken and empty and hollow. And it was so sad. But when you are in Jesus, then he is in you. You get to bear much fruit. And it's only with him that you can accomplish what he's calling you to do. If you try to keep doing it with your own talents, skills, and abilities, then you'll continue spitting into the wind. Which I had, like I wrote that, and I was like, what does that actually mean? And I had to like Google it. It just means to like be toiling, be working for something that's doing nothing. It's worthless. It's worthless effort. It comes back and smack, It's gross. It's super gross. Like, it's not what I want to do. I don't want to spit in the wind, right? You're lucky I said spit and not pee because that's, some, that's a saying too, I learned. Yeah. Well, now I said it, so here we go. Okay, so we realize, we repent, and we realize how much we need him. When you repent for trying to do all of this in your own strength means you're going to stop Stop toiling. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna seek Jesus. I'm not gonna try to write the best message. I'm not gonna try to, um, you know, adopt all the orphans and do all the things all by myself. I'm going to. I'm going to just look at Jesus. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to get in the secret place. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be alone with him. I'm going to get to know his heart. I'm going to be in his presence. And he will lead you and guide you to what he has for you. There's so much freedom in our weaknesses, guys. It's like really freeing. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to be the best. And you don't have to win. You know why? Because Jesus is our reward. He's the prize. And when he becomes the prize, when he actually really becomes the prize in your heart, then you've already won. Right? So all the competition, all the trying to be the best, all of the I'm going to get the promotion, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to show, and I'm going to get a raise, and I'm going to just really trying and striving and striving and striving and trying to prove yourself, which is what I did most of my life, I don't have to do any of that anymore. I can just be me. And it's a little weird and it's really messy. And that's okay because Jesus loves me and he's my prize. So I've already won. Amen. The lower we go, the more, hum- the more we humble ourselves before Jesus and embrace his beautiful feet, crying, anointing, drying them with our hair because we are in an eternal posture of gratitude, the more he will strengthen us. He will help us accomplish the missions that he's designed for us and the more we get to fully step into the call on your life. I spent my whole life fighting this like this shame that was like you're not enough. You'll never be enough. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're a teen mom. You you used drugs you're used up you're this like every negative thing that anybody ever said to me i would just like rehear like on a on a broken record in my head and just you're never going to be enough sarah so i kept trying to be enough right well i'm going to tell you one of the most freeing revelations i've ever had is that i am not enough so it doesn't shame me anymore so the enemy can tell me that all he wants and i don't care because i'm not enough i am nothing without him And with him, I have everything. I have everything that he is and everything that he has. So it's like super win. So yeah, I will boast even more in my weaknesses, right? Paul said that. I didn't, that's not a Sarah quote. That's a Paul quote. (laughs) With him, I am pure, holy, and righteous with him, I get to uh, check off the requirements lists of my job ad, which there is no job ad. That was just a, yeah. The world will tell you that the things of the kingdom are not good. They're not desirable. Meekness, lowliness, weakness, vulnerability, transparency, giving it all away, sacrifice, generosity. The world will shame you for it. They'll tell you you're stupid, you're foolish. That's not wise. That's really foolish. How can, you, how can you take care of your family if you're giving all of your money away? How can you do this if you're, if, you know, but I'm going to tell you what, the kingdom is, it's like upside down to the world. It makes no sense to the world. And while the world may mock you, they may shame you, the king will celebrate you. The king fills you with himself in those places. And frankly, you can't be with him if you believe the lie that you can be enough without him. It actually will separate you from him because that's literally what happened to Satan, guys. Literally the exact scenario. He was like, I can do this. Look how good I am. Look how great I am. And boom, fall. Pride comes before the fall that's real. It is okay to need him. It is okay to be weak. It It is not shameful. It is not embarrassing. It is not humiliating. The world may tell you that and your feelings might feel that way, but tell those things to shut up because Jesus said it's good. Die to yourself. Die to your feelings. Die to those things. It's okay. It's manly to need Jesus. In fact, it's really smoking hot. I'll tell you that from a girl's perspective. Like one of the, I literally laid on a bunk today and watched my husband reading the word of God. And he was like, What are you doing? Like, stop. St-. And I was just like, Nothing. I just wanted to lay here. <laughs> it is smoking hot. Men, seek Jesus. It is truly one of the most desirable things. We as women were designed to crave Jesus. And when you're chasing after him, it's like, Yes, I love this man. <laughs> For real. It's a real thing. It's smoking hot, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm telling you that. I'm absolutely right. <laughs> Jesus didn't die for me because I was good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, clever enough, talented enough, skilled enough. Jesus pa- saw past all of my wickedness and my sin and my evil thoughts and my evil deeds and he he saw straight to my heart and he loved me Isaiah 53 in the NLT I think they've got it Man God had me in this yesterday I read this a million times yesterday I don't I can't pull it up so I'm just going to read with you guys okay Austin you got me Who has believed our message To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. It's talking about Jesus. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He turned our backs on him, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. All of us. Every one of us have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels." That's it, I think, right? Holy moly. Go home and read that. Read it in the New King James and the NLT and the Passion and I don't care. Read it in every version you can possibly find. Read it over and over and remember what he's done. Remember what he's done for you because he was perfect. He really was. He he is perfect. He didn't do anything wrong, but he took... All of my sin, all the terrible, evil, wicked, terrible things I was doing, he went and took the cross for me. He took my punishment for me. Not only that, he took my just punishment of God's wrath. He took the wrath of God that I deserved for for me. We were rebellious and wicked, selfish and evil, and even on our best day, our goal was our own happiness. We are nothing without him. We have nothing without him. Jesus said so in John 15, 5. Jesus lived a life of love, and everything he did was what the Father was doing. Everything he said was what he heard the Father say. He did nothing on his own, but was fully abiding in the Father as we are called to abide in them. Meaning the Father and the Son. He gave us the example of how to be a laid-down lover of God. Instead of dreaming of what I want to be when I grow up, I want to ask Jesus what his dreams are for me because I know his plans are only good and prosperous. Amy, can I get the piano? John 17. I'm not going to do the whole thing, Austin. I want to. John 17 tells us how this is Jesus praying for his disciples. He's praying for you, and he's praying for me. And he's saying, basically, they get to be in us and we in them as I am in you and you are in me. Jesus and the Father are one, and now we get to be one with them. So we don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to strive. We don't have to toil. We don't have to try so hard. I, I took Hazel, my youngest daughter, on a mommy-daughter date the other night and we went and saw The Blind, the story of Phil Robertson. If you haven't seen it, I really, really suggest you see it. It messed me up in, a, in the best way. See, Phil didn't get saved at four years old either. He's, he wasted his life on, well, most, must, much of it on drinking and women and betraying the people that were closest to him. He rejected God over and over, but don't you know that Jesus has this beautiful, zealous, passionate way about him that he won't give up on anyone? He didn't give up on Phil. He certainly didn't give up on me, and he hasn't given up on any of you. And there's nothing that you've done. I don't care how horrible you believe it is. None of it is too big for him, and none of it is too much that the cross didn't cover. Today, Phil Robertson is famous for a TV show, His Bird Calls, but mostly his faith in Christ. He's given everything to Jesus and he allowed Jesus to do what he wants with his life. And if you see that movie, you'll really see, you'll love Phil Robertson. You really will. Jesus did everything that I never could do. He accomplished everything that I would never be able to accomplish. And all he wants is for us to not take that gift in vain, to stop trying to earn what he already bought for us, to crawl up inside of his heart and live there, dying to everything else and living free and bold and confident and peaceful in him. Galatians 2, 18 says, "'For I, if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God.' I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If we go back to works and trying to earn the call that he's put on your life, trying to earn anything that he's, that he's given you, then we're rebuilding what was already torn down and we're in sin. If being good was enough, if it was was even possible to be good, then Christ dying on the cross was in vain. Don't treat his sacrifice like it meant nothing. Let's live like the cross actually accomplished all that it did. The cross reconciled you to your father. It broke the power of sin in your life It defeated death and hell. It was the propitiation for you and took the just wrath of God in your place. It gave you new life. It forgave all of your sins, past, present, and future. Adopted you as children of God. You are no longer an orphan. You are now seated in heavenly places, living in two places at once. Yeah, that'll blow your mind. All healing of all disease ever all of it, sanctification, making you pure and holy as he is holy, and Jesus bore all rejection, hatred, grief, and sorrows on that cross for you. I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind, I hope, because it blew my mind, and then we're going to pray. I had this revelation when we were in Florida, and I told Pastor and she was like, yeah. So, I mean, like she must have got it a long time ago. <laughs> She's so much smarter than me. It's fine. It's good. It's good to have your leaders be smarter than you. So, in the garden, Adam was alone. I mean, he was with God, right? But he didn't have Eve yet. And, and God said, it's not good for him to be alone. He needs a suitable partner. So, he put Adam to sleep. And he cut open his side and Adam's wife was birthed. His bride was birthed from his side. This was prophesying about Jesus many, many years later, who on the cross would be stabbed with the spear in the side and blood and water would pour out and the church would be born. His bride would be born from his side. So here's what really blows my mind, guys. There's a lot of prophecy about Jesus. This whole entire book is about him. The whole, bu- the whole thing, everything is about him. Go and read through Moses and stuff. You'll just see Jesus through all of it. It's truly all about him. But here's what really blows my mind is that they hadn't sinned yet. Adam hadn't sinned yet. He had no need for a savior. He didn't even need a savior, but God knew what was gonna happen because he knows the end from the beginning. And in Revelations 13, eight, I believe says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God knew every awful, horrible thing that we were gonna do. He knew all of it. He knew all of it before he made Adam. He could have just been like, nah, it's not worth it. Nah, that's too much. No, I, I can't. Like, that's a lot of heartache. That's a lot of rejection. But he said, he looked at you and he said, I can't imagine eternity without them. So it's worth it all. So I'm going to make Adam and we're going to do this whole thing. And, and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get on the cross and I'm going to be rejected by everybody. I encourage you to read the gospel. Read this, the arrest and crucifixion of Christ in all four gospels. <laughs> That's what I did yesterday with Isaiah 53 Whew. the amount of rejection mocking the spit in his face it'll mess you up do it on the floor because you're just gonna cry down there anyways. I was always told that Jesus um, on the cross but like medically, he died of asphyxiation, but recently I heard that not to be true, so I had to research it because I'm a researcher. And I actually found medically, it doesn't make sense that he would have died of asphyxiation, where most people would have. They couldn't breathe, so eventually they get tired and they just they suffocate. But that after six to nine hours, or I think it was six hours that he was on the cross, I don't know, anyways, somewhere around there, there were there, most people who were crucified, they survived at least a couple of days and the really strong men survived like up to 10 days on the cross. 10 days. And Jesus died after like six hours. And here's what we know from the Bible, it tells us that he was in the garden, he was praying, and he was sweating drops of blood, which is an actual real medical thing. And it actually, um, it indicates the extreme emotional stress that he was experiencing. And he went to his disciples and he said, he, he told them to pray for him. And he said, my heart is grieved almost to the point of death. There is a very rare heart condition called something. I printed it and our our printer ran out of paper and I don't have internet. So it's cardio something Look it up, it's real. It's a rare heart condition that happens when a person experiences extreme grief, extreme, extreme sorrow. It causes the heart to actually fail. It causes water to build up around the heart, which is what came out of him. Water and blood came out of his side. He died of a broken heart. Medically, legit, he died of an actual broken heart. Because all those people that mocked him that were spitting in his face, that were saying, oh, get down. Oh, is he calling for Elijah? They put the robe on him and the crown and all the things. He loved them so much. And when you read it, man, I was was praying for Israel. I was praying for his people that they would know him. Like we have had the gift of knowing him. I would like you all to stand. This what he did he did it for you all of the rejection you've experienced the people in your life that you love who have smacked you in the face who have betrayed you who have accused you who have hurt you who have taken your heart and crushed it and made you not want to ever love anyone again he's done he's experienced all of that in fact he took it to the cross not, and I'm not saying you'll never experience those feelings again, you will, but here's the beautiful thing is we have the, the choice to take that feeling and take it to him and identify with his sorrow and say, Jesus, I don't know what to do with this, but I know you know, I know you know. And he does this really glorious supernatural thing where he gives you peace for that sorrow, he gives you joy, he'll give you dancing And he gives you eternal acceptance. And frankly, if every single person in this room rejected me, if every person in the whole world rejected me, it would really hurt, guys. Let's be honest. But if if he accepts me, that's enough. And he does. So I want you to hold your hands out and close your eyes. And I want you to think of Jesus. Jesus. This is my secret tip to like how to connect my heart when I'm praying or worshiping is I literally imagine the face of Jesus. And sometimes I think about the cross, sometimes I think about the whipping post. The other day I had an image in my mind of the wrath of God being poured out on his back for me. But think about Jesus. He is the lamb on the throne. He's already he's already done everything. It is finished. There is nothing left for us to do. When you give him your whole heart and just seek intimacy in him, all of the works and all of the things he has for you will come as an overflow you'll just wanna do it because you love him and you'll do it with him so you'll have all you need. Lord, we love you and we're sorry that we have tried to earn what you already paid for. We're sorry that we are We have tried to be good enough, be smart enough, be clever enough, be strong enough. We're sorry that we have tried to create our kingdoms. We've tried to build our lives. We've tried to do all of these things that are all on sinking sand, God, and we're just spitting in the wind. We're tired, Lord. We're tired of spitting in the wind and we want to be truly with you and in you. So God, we give you today our kingdom. We give you our crown. We give you our ideas and our opinions and we give you our striving. And we just wanna sit at your feet, Lord. We just wanna be in you and you in us. We just wanna fall in love all over again. We just have to be with you in your presence. And like Moses said, God, if you don't go, we, we don't want to go. If you're not doing something, we don't want to do it. We want to do what you're doing. We want to be where you are. And regardless of what that is, God, we say yes to you. Before you ask, we say yes. So if you're calling us into the marketplace, if you're calling us to be an accountant, we say yes. If you're calling us to start a daycare, we say yes. Whatever you want. If you're calling us to go work in a prison, we say yes. Lord, we want to be where you are, wherever that leads us. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for taking and doing what we could never do. Thank you that we can boast in our weakness, that we can be weak that we can be not enough because you make us enough. You are the prize, Lord. Help us to lay every other treasure before you and let you become our prize. Holy Spirit, help us, help our hearts to truly embrace Jesus and only Jesus because he is the only way. He is the way, the truth and the life everlasting and there is no other way except through him. We don't want any other way. Lord, we love you. We give you everything tonight, God. Thank you, Jesus. So if I could have the ministry team come up here If you have not given your life to Jesus or maybe you did and you kind of took it back or maybe you did and you've actually been walking in your calling but you've been doing it on your own then and if you would like extra help, extra prayers for that maybe you don't even know what to pray or how to pray then come forward and let us pray with you. There is so much power in, a, in, in somebody praying with you. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there even in the midst of them. And so as you come and grab their hands, Jesus is standing right in there. But otherwise, I just encourage you guys to seek his face this week. Really get get in the secret place. Don't make excuses. Let him love you. Let him pour his love on you. Let him show you how to receive his love. you, Lord. All right, have a good week, guys. Come get prayer for anything you could possibly need.